So as a school leader, we often run into this issue maybe at the beginning of the school year or in the middle of the school year where we find that the things that we've planned aren't necessarily going the way that we've planned. In fact, we find that there may be some missteps or some misalignments within our school, within our organization. And we want to figure out a way to get things back on track so that way our schools can be better. Well, today on this episode, we're going to talk about how to identify the misalignments within your organization, within your school, and ways that you can get your school back on track for the rest of the school year. So stay tuned. You are listening to the Educate on Purpose podcast. This show is designed to support school leaders that want to break down barriers in education. On this show, it doesn't matter if you're a mentor teacher, a district superintendent, or anything in between. Together, we fearlessly fight to provide quality education. We design joyous, caring learning environments, and we lead with clarity and purpose. Thanks for joining the Educate on Purpose family. What's up, everybody? It's Brandon House here, back for another episode. I'm I'm so glad to be here today because we're going to be talking about something that is actually really crucial for every school leader, and I'm not sure that every school leader really talks about this a lot, or they know that they should be talking about it. We're talking about organizational alignment and making sure that every component of our school is realigned. You see, oftentimes we get into our school in our school year and we find that there just are some things that just aren't on track. We know that they should be going a certain direction, but we don't really know exactly how it got there or what we should be doing to get it back on track. We may be able to pinpoint the specific issue and we create some sort of uh, structure to make sure that that system, uh, that issue is fixed, but we don't really think about the big picture. Uh, Today, we want to talk about something that is actually widely used, not necessarily in schools, but is widely used in business. And it's called the organizational alignment model. You may hear this also called the coherence model. But basically, what it means is, is that you need to make sure that your entire organization, your entire school is all aligned and headed in the right direction. I have this funny story of when I was a school leader early in my career, maybe year two or three, I recognized that the school that I was leading, we weren't all on the same page. There were different departments working in di- at different paces, different levels of, um, of capacity, different levels of efficiency. And I recognized that we even had a different vision going on. And so I remember standing up at the beginning of the school year with this great um, analogy of people in a boat rowing, and we're all rowing, and we're all rowing, and we're trying to move in the same direction. But what happens is, is that some people have the the paddles, the oars in their hand, and some people are rowing really fast, and some people are rowing very slowly. Some people have one arm that's moving really fast, the other one is moving really slow, and what ends up happening is if you aren't all rowing in the same direction at the same cadence, then you could end up going in the wrong direction or just spinning around in circles. 
And so I gave that analogy saying we all need to get back on track. It was very motivational. I was very excited about it. In fact, I got a lot of good responses from the staff about us knowing that we weren't all aligned. The one problem was, looking back on it, was I didn't really have a clear path on how we could get everybody rowing in the right direction. There were a few things that I did have, but there were a lot of things that I didn't have. What was really good about what I stated to them was we had a, we needed to have a vision and a mission and a few goals. And I stated what our vision was for the school, what our mission was for the school, and here are our school-wide goals for this year. But that was it. I didn't really have any systems for how to really dig deep into making sure that every action that we take aligns with those goals. And I don't want you guys to make the same mistake as school leaders. So today we're going to talk about this organizational alignment model and how we can make sure that every component of our school is aligned to our vision, aligned to our mission, and aligned to our goals. So let's start right there. In order to have a successful and aligned organization, you need to make sure that you are aligned in your vision in your mission, and your goals. Now, if you aren't really sure where to start with your vision, let's say you're in a school district, you're not in a charter school or in a private school, but you're in a district and sometimes you feel like the the district sets the vision for you, it's also important for you as a school to set what your vision is. And if you aren't sure where to start, I heard a school leader say this, uh, my my a person that I look up to a lot, Robin Jackson, she says this a lot. You should check her out over at uh, leadership School Leadership Reimagine. She talks about making sure that your vision is is compelling. And if you aren't focusing on improving 100% of your students, then you're not doing it right. So if you don't already have a vision, if you don't already have a mission for your school, think about this. You want 100% of your students to achieve proficiency in every subject area. That's a big goal, right? That's a big vision. That's something that may take a little while to get there. It's not unachievable, but it is going to take a lot of effort to make sure all of your school is there. Even if you're a high-performing school, you still have room to grow, and this is a compelling vision for your school. Make sure that your vision is supported by the mission. What are you going to do uh, each year, year in, year out, that is going to uh, get you to that goal of 100% of your students are making that 100% of your students are proficient? Now, this is where it starts to get a little bit into the nitty gritty. We start talking about our school wide goals. Now, we're, we're going to naturally assume some things have already happened. The number one thing that you've already done is you've collected data. So we're going to be talking about two different types of uh, data here. So you'll need to make sure that you, you pay to close attention to this. You're probably already familiar, but there's two types of data. There is qualitative data and there's quantitative data. Now, when we're talking about quantitative data, we're talking about things that you can measure, that are tangible, that you can see. For example, if you gave your students a test and you noticed that 85% of your students did not uh, perform well 
on a certain standard. That is quantitative data. You can measure that through numbers. If you give a staff survey, and as you give the staff survey, uh, 85% of your staff said that they are satisfied with the facilities in the teacher's lounge. Um, that is quantitative data. You can measure that just through uh, giving a simple assessment. Then there is qualitative data. This may take a little more of you trying to dig a little bit deeper. You're having conversations with people. And as you're finding, uh, as you're digging into these conversations with people, you're finding some reasoning behind why the teachers act the way they do, or you're finding some reasoning behind why students act the way they do. This takes a little bit of time for you to sit down, talk, have conversations with people, understand the motives, and you can start to track those with, through your conversations. You may find that teachers aren't necessarily satisfied with the way that leaders are leading. That's quant qualitative data. That's quantitative data, but then when you figure out why aren't they satisfied with the leadership, uh, you can get into the qualitative data. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as we dig into the organizational alignment. Now, there are five essential components to making sure that your organization is aligned. And we'll dig through all of these things. We'll talk about what those uh, those components are and some potential pitfalls that you could fall into as you're focusing on these components. There's one thing to note as well, is that if you take these components in isolation, you could be setting yourself up for failure. It's an easy way for you to look and isolate a specific challenge, but that specific challenge is usually tied through all the other components. So don't just think about each component as, oh, if I focus on just the, the one component here, that that will fix everything else. They may be loosely tied and connected to everything else. So what you'll have to do is you'll have to really think about what the problem is within your school. For example, if you're thinking about student discipline, student discipline is tied to a couple of different components within the organizational alignment model. So don't just think of it. One of the components is culture. It's not just in culture. You may have a discipline problem because you have poor structures or you have teachers that don't have the capacity or it could be a cultural issue or it just could mean that people aren't necessarily aligned to their task and priorities. So now that we've got the preliminary uh, concepts out of the way, let's dig into each of the components. Component number one is the essential task or priorities. You'll hear me talk about this all the time. Every staff member must be extremely clear about what their essential task is. Every teacher, every leader, every uh, support staff member, whatever capacity they're in, they must know that there's what their essential role and essential task is. Well, how do we figure that out? Well, the essential roles and essential tasks and priorities are tied to the overall goal of the school, the overall mission of the school. So if as you're trying to drive your school towards that mission and vision, everybody's essential 
priorities and tasks should be aligned to lead you toward that goal. That is extremely important. Now, the potential pitfall. When you have identified the most important roles, there are a couple of pitfalls that could happen. You may think that everything is an essential pitfall or or essential priority or essential task. And what tends to happen is, is that you water down your effectiveness because you're trying to spread yourself too thin. No teacher can do everything. No leader can do everything. So it's important for you to understand that there are some really, really two, three, four, five essential tasks that need to happen every day for every single role. Everything else are just tasks that could happen, but aren't necessarily driving the vision and the mission forward. Doesn't mean that they aren't important. They're just not as important as the essential priorities. The other pitfall is, is that you have these essential priorities, you have these essential tasks, but they're really big task. And that can seem overwhelming to people. And so what happens is, is that they avoid doing those big essential priorities to focus on the tinier, the smaller tasks that are easy to do on a day-to-day basis. So it's important for you to know that you you have to know what your role is. For example, um, at, at one point in time, I remember having a school event where we were really trying to get the message out that we were doing great things in our um with our extracurricular activities. We had a fantastic uh, arts program. We had a fantastic sports program. And we really wanted to make sure that our staff, or sorry, that our stakeholders recognized that we had these great things that were going on in our extracurriculars that they may not see on a daily basis. So we wanted to invite the, the community out. That was our essential goal. We're an art school. We're doing great things in the arts. We want you to know what that is. And I remember sitting down with the committee that was trying to create a flyer uh, and get some things out to the, to the rest of the community and let them know. And we got into this conversation about what the flyer should look like. And we knew that there was one person, their, their essential task was to make a flyer that was a compelling message that says, you need to come see what your kids are doing. But we got hung up on, get this, the color of the flyer. Now, granted, the color of the flyer is really important. You want something that pops, that's, that's catchy, that catches your eye. Those are really important things. But not as important as the actual message not as important as the actual event itself. And we spent so much time going round and round. Should we do this color? Should we do that color? Should we do this? Does, does the font actually say this? Does the font actually say that? And you could get really sidetracked with those small little things and forget that the most important thing is, is that the parents are coming to the school so that way they can see what their kids are doing. And we lost a lot of time and we ended up having a great turnout. And even though the flyer wasn't exactly the way that we wanted it to be, um, it didn't matter because at the end of the day, the parents came and they got to see what the kids were doing and they loved it. 
And we continue to get that message out. So uh, that's just a small example of how you can get sidetracked with the small things and not focus on the essential priorities. Your teachers can do the same in the classroom. You as a leader can do the same. I, I remember there were so many times for me as a leader where I felt like I needed to be out and about in, in the hallways, but instead of actually getting into the classroom, I got sidetracked with sidebar conversations. I got sidetracked with uh, small little things here and there instead of actually observing what was going on in the classroom. And so um, don't lose track of what your essential priorities are. Now, connected to that, component number two is culture. Now, when you're thinking about culture, this is a very broad category. It could mean staff culture. It could mean stakeholder culture. It could mean student culture. Those three things make up your entire school culture. And what you'll find is that school culture is the behaviors that your staff, your students, the stakeholders take on. And behaviors usually stem from mindset. So if you find that as you're trying to get your school realigned and you recognize that there's something wrong with your culture, it's probably dealing with a mindset issue. And so you can detect the way that you can detect cultural challenges is through feedback sessions. Let's say that you've done your observation, you've done the walkthroughs, and now you're ready to give some feedback. And as you give some feedback, you notice that you point out a specific issue in the classroom and you notice that the teacher is giving you some rebuttal behind why they did what they did. That's the qualitative uh, analysis that we talked about, the qualitative data. Now you recognize that they may, they may have the capacity, they may understand what they're supposed to do, but the reason why they didn't do it was because of a mindset issue or because of the culture that they uh, are, are, are allowed to emulate. And so you have to think to yourself, are you, are there supporting, are you supporting the culture that is going on? And are those cultural challenges or cultural issues supporting the year long goal? If not, then you probably have to go all the way back to mindset. You have to figure out what the mindset is of the staff and move that forward. Let me, let me make that clear for you. So, for example, a lot of schools talk about having academic excellence. You need to ha have academic excellence. You see it on billboards uh, about schools. You see it on, you know, uh, flyers that schools send out. In order to have academic excellence, you have to define what excellence means for a student. What does excellence mean for a staff member? What does excellence mean for a stakeholder? And then you have to figure out how do we create that environment? What actions, what behaviors are we going to embody on a daily basis to ensure that we have academic excellence? When somebody is not embodying those behaviors, it's most likely due 
to a mindset issue. They don't believe that this behavior, this action is going to improve the overall or help the school meet its overall goal. And you have to connect the dots for that person through attacking the mindset challenges. So first component is the essential task and priorities. The second component is culture. The third component is structures and systems. Now, going back to cultural issues, oftentimes you may find that cultural issues stem from systems issues or structures issues. So if you have a cultural issue, you may find that you have some misaligned structures and systems that allow the mindset to drift. So in order to have a strong culture, you have to have strong structures and systems to support that culture. For example, you may find that Right now, you have a poor culture of lesson planning and instructional delivery. This could be due to poor review and feedback processes. Maybe your leadership team doesn't even look at the lesson plans. Maybe when you look at the lesson plans, you just say, okay, they're complete. Or maybe if you really wanted to make sure your teachers are taking it seriously, then that's when you would shift towards we really need to look at each lesson plan in detail, the internalization process, whatever it might be for your school, and we need to figure out how we get uh, we improve that. But if you don't have those systems in place, then that could lead to poor mindset. So let's think about this. You have poor lesson planning, instructional de- and instructional delivery. That means it's probably due to a poor structure, which is the poor review and feedback process, which could lead to a mindset issue of lesson planning just isn't important. We don't care about lesson planning. And even though you may not directly say that, and it feels weird even for me to say that, even though you may not directly say that, that's what you're showing your staff is that we're asking for lesson plans, but we don't really actually care about them. Here's another example, high suspension rates. So high suspension rates are the problem, but the problem could be due to a policy that promotes suspension for a certain behavior. There's no questions asked. If you do this certain behavior, then you're going to get suspended. That's a systems issue. And that systems issue could expose or create this mindset that says that when a student displays this behavior at our school, We don't want them here, which could be a cultural misalignment or and a mindset issue. And so you can see that without the structures, you can't have a strong culture. And without the structures, you also aren't supporting your essential task and priorities. You aren't showing that this essential task of lesson planning is a high priority for you. Are you seeing how these are all connected here? And you can't take one one component of this alignment model uh, by itself. You have to think about how they're all interrelated. So we have component number one, 
essential tasks and priorities. Component number two, which is culture. Component number three, which is structures and systems. You have component number four, which is capacity and abilities. So often we see that leaders are naturally jumping. When they find a problem at the school, they immediately think that the problem is, is that their teachers don't have capacity or they don't have the ability to do something. You may find that this may be true from time to time. It can happen when you're adopting a new curriculum. It can happen when you have a new system for welcoming students into the building. You have a new expectation for classroom management, or you just find out that there are some teachers who don't know how to properly implement classroom management expectations. You may have a new writing model. Whatever it might be, you recognize that your teachers don't have this capacity. In your leadership team, you may find that they don't know how to observe and give meaningful, actionable feedback. These are all capacity issues. But the challenge with capacity issues is that it's our first go-to because it's the easiest thing. We naturally assume that if somebody isn't doing something, it's because they don't know how. Now, although at times this can be true, at times it can't be it may not be true as well. And when when it's not true, that's when it gets to become demeaning for teachers. Have you ever been a teacher or a leader where uh you have a principal who comes in, they call a staff meeting and they come in and they say, you know what? We know, we recognize that uh, people don't know how to check, to conduct check for understandings in the middle of the lesson. So we're going to do a whole PD for the whole day on checking for understanding. Well, what do you think that's going to mean for the veteran teacher who already knows how to implement checks for understanding with that throughout the lesson? Well, that's going to be a little bit demeaning for them. I had uh, a situation where one of my best teachers, we were in a professional development and we, we spent a lot of time, we were looking at the quantitative data and we recognized that there were a lot of teachers who weren't displaying a certain behavior that we wanted with our writing model. We had a brand new writing model that we that we were implementing, and we noticed that there were a lot of teachers, not all of them, but a lot of teachers didn't really know how to properly uh, deliver this writing model. So we actually adopted the writing model from one of our vet teachers who was doing it phenomenally. But the mistake that we made was we decided that we were going to do a mass implementation. Everybody was going to this PD on how to implement this writing model. And we get about 30 minutes into the professional development and the teacher that we borrowed this model from and adopted it, he just slowly starts packing up his things. He starts to gather everything up and you hear this like very large uh, and he gets up and he walks out of the professional development. Now, of course, there were some other 
uh, alignment issues that we had to figure out. You know, how do we display our uh, disagreement with something that was clearly a misalignment? But where we were misaligned as leaders was that we assumed that this was a capacity issue for every teacher, when really it was only about a little less than half of our teachers who weren't implementing this. So this is why it's extremely important for you to understand what does the qualitative data mean and not just the quantitative data. You can get the numbers and show that You've done a hundred walkthroughs and out of the hundred walkthroughs, there are 85 times where teachers didn't check for understanding in a lesson. This could mean that there's an issue with checking for understanding. They don't know how to implement checks for understanding. But if you do a feedback session with all of those teachers, you find out that the scripted curriculum that they, that you told them to do and implement with fidelity it doesn't have checks for understanding at the checkpoints where you wanted them to have the checks for understanding. That seemed natural for students to, to, uh, to check for understanding. So now, instead of it being a capacity issue where the teachers don't know how to implement it, it is now a systems issue. And so you have to figure out, okay, how much leeway do I give my, my teachers with this scripted curriculum? They know that they should be implementing checks for understanding, but I told them that they need, they need to be implementing this curriculum with fidelity, following it with fidelity no matter what. That's what they're doing. So we have to realign our systems to make sure that we are supporting that, and it may not necessarily be a capacity issue. So leaders, be prepared. It's not always capacity. Although that's an easy go-to, It's not always capacity. Use qualitative and quantitative data to ensure that you're hitting on the right point. The last component is leadership. So you've focused on everybody else and every component of everybody else with essential tasks and priorities, culture, structures and systems, uh, capacity and abilities. But now it's time to look inward and you need to ask a few questions. First question is, does my leadership support these four other components? If it doesn't, then you need to think about what should I be doing myself as a leader to improve? Maybe there's a deficit that I need to improve upon and don't fall into this trap of, well, it's always my staff. Oh, well, the staff, oh, you know, these teachers that they gave me, oh, there's just nobody out there. I can't find good teachers. Those may be challenges. But what's also a challenge is self-improvement, leadership improvement. And if we're never looking inwardly to determine whether or not we're, we're the problem with the school, then it could lead to constant turnover. It could lead to constant challenges within your organization. You're going to have teachers that feel undermined, that feel disrespected because they recognize that there are gaps in your leadership, but you don't. 
So start with your leadership as you consider the landscape of your school. So not only are you determining where the gaps are within your organizational alignment, but you're also determining whether or not you're supporting those gaps or supporting its improvement. And sometimes it can be hard to determine whether or not we're supporting or we're hindering the improvement of our school. And that may mean that you need some sort of accountability or support. Uh, it may mean that right now you're not receiving that support. You're the only principal at your school. Who else is going to know that you need support except for you? There may be times where you have a school district and that school district has a different agenda than what you feel you need at your school or for you specifically. There only going to focus on what their agenda is for the school district, which is great because they see the big picture for their organization, but they may not be able to support you as a leader. Well, that's why we have here at BrandonGHouse.com, we have the SLC community. It's called the school leadership community. So the school leadership community is this online community a network of school leaders that want to support you and help you grow and develop your leadership and help and grow and develop your school. If you haven't heard about the SLC, uh, it's pretty awesome. It's something that I wish I had as a school leader when I first started, and I also enjoy it because even now as a school leader, as I lead schools, I can tap into this community to help support me as I grow as a leader. You see, the SLC has three major components. The first component are the mini courses. The mini courses are part of the School Leadership Academy, and these mini courses dive deeper into topics like organizational alignment and just about any other challenge that you may be facing as a school leader. And all of these were developed by either myself or school leaders who have experienced this. So it's going to be pretty relevant to you as a school leader. These are things that you can pick and choose or you can follow the pathway. It's designed for you to start off the school year in the summertime, identifying what your goal is, what your vision is, what your mission is, and then executing that all the way throughout the school year. Or if you find that you already know what your mission and your vision is, you already know how to execute that, but you didn't really think about where the misalignments may be, this you can go specifically to the mini course about organizational alignment and then walk through that to check and see where the gaps may be. We also have a component. The second component is the school leadership community. And this is sort of a forum area where you can celebrate successes. You can give feedback to other school leaders. You can ask questions from other school leaders. And my favorite part, because I'm super competitive is you can compete in some friendly challenges. They're going to, they're going to be school leader challenges on there. There may be some school challenges on there and you get to compete with other school leaders to, and, and just have fun and enjoy networking with other people. And then finally, 
I, what people say is the most valuable are the live leadership think tanks. And these live leadership think tanks are masterminds of about five to eight leaders meeting live via Zoom where they discuss challenges that may be personal, they may be professional, and everybody within the group helps you grow. It's a it's a fun, safe learning environment. It's a community. Eventually, the, this uh, mastermind turns into your group of friends, your go-to people. When you need something, they send you a text to support you. They ask questions, ask how you're doing. It's not just about school. They ask about your family and how your personal life is going. If you're local, they may invite you over to their school. Lots of cool things come out of these live leadership think tanks, not just solutions for your school. You can check all of this out at my website, brandongehouse.com slash SLC app. That's brandongehouse.com slash SLC app. And there is a short application there, but this short application is just to make sure we get you in the right place for the live leadership think tanks. We want to make sure that you are aligned with other leaders. Now, I will tell you that there are only 25 seats open. So, yes, there are only 25 seats, and we will be opening this up on March 28th. So, as soon as you finish this episode, you need to jump over to brandongehouse.com slash SLC app, fill out the application so you can reserve your seat. As soon as we look through all those applications, we will start identifying who will be a best fit for the SLC community. And we'll send you a notification and get you all registered from there. So, you need to make sure that you jump over there as soon as possible because they will fill up quickly. Well, that is all that we have for today's episode. I hope that this episode on organizational alignment will help you improve your school and help you along your school leadership journey. If you have any questions, or if you just want to let me know how things are going, feel free to reach out via social media, via email, and get in touch with me. But until next time, please remember to educate on purpose. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, be sure to rate and subscribe on your podcast app. You can find this podcast wherever you love to listen to your favorite podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mr. Brandon House or join the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Mr. Brandon House. Thanks again for listening and remember to educate on purpose. <laughs>